Welcome to the Oracle. This is a podcast where you will hear innovative and curious minds. Together, we will explore what makes a difference in cities, homes, and for the planet at large. The Oracle is produced by Monk Studios in collaboration with IKEA. Melissa Weingarten is one of the co-founders of Project CC, a project started out of a necessity to find fashion that matched both her style and her values of sustainability and equality, where she tries to make a positive change to both the way people consume clothes and the way the industry produces them. In this episode of The Oracle, Melissa talks about the impact the fast fashion industry has had on the world, but also on herself and tells us of the journey that made her want to create that positive change. And we start in the future. It's the year 2014 and I'm on my way home from a day at the Kalverstraat one of the biggest shopping streets of my beloved hometown Amsterdam. It's been a good day for some great shopping. A slow, sunny day walking through the streets seeing only stores that sell sustainable clothing. I go to my closet and start hanging in my new clothes. Under labels, you can see where they came from or what they used to be. The t-shirt that feels like silk used to be plastic water bottles. My jacket used to be a couple of different sweaters. And my jeans were made in a factory that pays all of its workers a living wage and uses organic cotton with as little impact on the environment as possible. And it's quite easy to fit everything into the closet, since I've taken every piece of clothing I don't use anymore and handed them in to be recycled, upcycled or sold secondhand before I bought my new and semi-new clothes. Taking away as little as possible from the earth and extending the life cycles of all the clothes we have is the natural way of consuming now. Sustainable fashion is no longer just a lifestyle choice for the people who can afford it, but a new norm. And Project CC is only one of the several different platforms that helps to shape how people buy clothes, and by extent change the way the fashion industry makes clothes. Putting sustainability and ethics first for the good of everyone. Helping people find brands with accountability and respect for the entire process a piece of clothing goes through. From all the ways that it affects the environment and also the people actually making the clothes. My name is Melissa Weingarten and I'm talking to you from Amsterdam. Together with my sister Marcella and our friend Noor Veenhoven, we started Project CC, a platform that's not only gathered hundreds of ethical and sustainable fashion brands for people to find them easier, but where we also take the extra step to make sure for ourselves that all the claims of sustainability are upheld. Trying our best to force a positive change within the fashion industry and ultimately the world around us, which is kind of a big thing for something that basically started out of laziness and just spun out of control. Even though I love fashion and shopping, I once stopped buying clothes for a whole year. I saw a documentary that for the first time really made me think about what happened to the clothes before they ended up in the stores. Amongst them, that only 1% of all clothing produced today is made under fair working conditions. 
and that 0.6% of the price that you pay ends up in the pockets of the person who put in the enormous effort into making that garment. That means if you buy a sweater or a pair of jeans for 100 euro, about 6 cent goes to the worker. There is a lot of focus on consumption today, and I was part of it. Especially so in the fashion industry. People want new items for all four seasons of the year, forgetting that all those items need to be made. So even if it's made in a sustainable way, it still impacts the environment. The mindset that we can somehow consume ourselves into happiness and well-being is something that should really change before we can sustain a stable environment or the environment of society. Both buying and making sustainable clothes can be difficult in a world where the economic systems are built on constant growth. There are always those along the supply chain that prefer profit over people and everything else basically. Sometimes big brands make great sustainable collections, beautiful pieces with materials sourced in the best way possible. But after they sell them at often very high prices for the reason that they are sustainable, they go back to business as usual after they themselves spend more money on marketing the clothes than actually making them. Greenwashing, as these things are called, is a huge problem. For it's demotivating for people that want their clothes to be sustainably made. Making us feel like it's not worth the effort of looking for fashion that matches not only our values, but putting our money towards something that benefits so many more than just the brands you buy from. However, I'm optimistic, and I will tell you why. The first step toward Project Sisi began when I was studying economics at the University of Amsterdam. But I wasn't really happy with my field of studies. Business and finance are mostly theoretical. A lot of mathematical frameworks to solve, based on assumptions that didn't reflect how the world really works. So I did a lot of extra courses. Some in psychology, history, and I even did an exchange here in Hong Kong. This was really nice as well, because there they had a course in environmental economics which they didn't have back then in Amsterdam. So that was the first time I was actually able to see that, okay, there's more to growth than GDP growth. Because it's really strange that the wealth of a country is measured in how much it buys and produces, rather than how the society is doing as a whole. It's an unsustainable way of measuring, because it means you have to keep on producing and keep on continuing to pursue that growth at the expense of others. And growing up in Amsterdam Southeast, one of the most multicultural areas of the city, I was familiar with the different types of struggles and the inequality that could come with it. The strange thing was that when it came to fashion, my mindset was a bit different. I really, really liked shopping from when I was a teenager. The more clothes I could get for a lower price, the happier I was. I read all the big magazines and kept up to date with trends. Once, I even took a train ride to a different city with a friend just to go shopping at a big brand store that had just opened up to buy as many things as we could. But one day, I saw a documentary about the fashion industry called The True Cost. That changed everything for me. I had somewhere in the back of my head known that the business of making clothes was a big contributor to global warming and that many of the people working within that industry often had poor working conditions. 
But to see the extent of the oppression these people were kept in affected me. There are roughly 40 million garment workers in the world today. Many that do not share the same rights of protections that many of us in the West do. Child labor is still very much a reality because of this lack of security. A study in 2015 in India found half a million children working in the cotton industry. Around 200,000 of them were below the age of 14. These human beings, like me and you, and anyone else walking down the street, are being forced to work for scraps that they can't feed themselves or their families with. And also for no money at all. Slaves, in our time, kept in poverty and working under the threat of violence, often together with chemicals and materials that not only damage and poison the environment, but slowly kill the workers as well. In China, for example, according to the World Bank, 17 to 20% of industrial water pollution comes from textile coloring and treatment. 72 toxic chemicals in China's water originate solely from textile coloring, and 30 of these cannot be removed. This water is often thrown back into the river after use, without any treatment. They say for good reason that you can see which color will be in fashion next year from the color of the rivers in China. I was speechless. Part outraged and part shocked into disbelief that this had been going on for so long and affecting so many. And this was something I had been supporting for most of my life. I didn't know what to do. So the first thing I did was... Nothing. I just gave up buying clothes altogether. The most environmental activism I had done in my life, up to that point, was partly becoming a vegetarian when I was 8 years old. I thought it was so weird that we were eating animals. But since my dad's family is from Curaçao, an island in the Caribbean that has a strong meat-eating culture, I finally gave in to peer pressure when I was 16. But I was also super active in my childhood in the wildlife conservations, together with my older sister Marcella. We had a website with our favorite animals, and then at some point we were like, okay, we need to protect them. And we need to raise money to do it, so we created a fund. Being young and hardly knowing any English, we merged words we liked together and called it the World Liver Nation Fund. And then we went to our neighbors and asked, do you want to donate money to save the pandas or something? But it was never anything more structural than that. Until later, that is. Luckily for me, Marcella's passion for the environment stayed strong. She was studying physics, and at the same time, Marcella and her classmate Noor started the academic environmental platform for the University of Amsterdam. They organized symposia to raise awareness for climate change and to discuss the research about it and what they could do to better the world. For me, I joined the student council, and there I met someone who also had this feeling like, oh my God, what are we doing? All this focus on constant growth and no attention at all on sustainability. So we started working on a sustainability minor for economic students because we saw that there was a big interest in it, but that the professors who were interested in doing it didn't have the budgets or the time. But through a lot of work, the sustainability minor became something that a lot of students now take. Then, after about a year of not buying any new clothes, one of the big fashion brands announced that they were releasing a conscious collection, and I decided to go check it out. I ended up buying a lot of stuff, but felt good about myself, because it felt like I made an impact with those purchases. 
Though not long after that, news broke about how that company was polluting more than ever. It was really demotivating, and I thought to myself, how can this happen all the time? I discussed this with Marcella and Noor, and they were like, okay, let's see if there are other ways to buy fashion. Back then, secondhand wasn't that big, and you had to look really hard to find something that matched your style. When we went online, we found a lot of sustainable brands that were making really nice products that were also affordable for students' budgets. But we were used to using the bigger platforms, so we didn't feel like going to all those independent shops ourselves and doing all the research into why they were sustainable. Still, it was really important for us not to be tricked by greenwashing again. So we started the website to collect all the items in one place and make it easier for ourselves to shop sustainably. The more time we spend on Project CC, finding just how many good and ethical brands there are out there working with sustainable clothing, and the more we learned about the horrible impact the old way of doing things had on us all, the more it became apparent that this was something we wanted to do. So the first year, we did a full proof of concept, just showing that our website worked and was searchable, no revenue model or anything, because we were still just passionate university students. Unsure if other people would see this as a solution like we did, not to mention if the fashion industry would even appreciate such a website, we pushed on. Noor and I started writing a blog where we would zoom in on different aspects of sustainability. The environmental cost of materials like linen and cotton, sustainable sunglasses and swimwear, tips on decluttering your home and helped others find more information on sustainable fashion. Through marketing on social media and by word of mouth through our friends, it wasn't long before people started reaching out to us, telling us they really liked our platform. Some brands even asked if they could be featured. We felt like now we had the courage and motivation to step things up. We started going to markets to talk to the industry itself and other experts to ask what they thought about our idea and what our next move should be. One woman who had worked within the industry for years loved her idea, but said that it's something we should never start for free. It's just not something the brands would start paying for otherwise. Well, that's what we've been doing from the start, I said. She replied, oh, then you've kind of ruined your business even before starting it. Yeah, so we were quite worried about that. Because we had been struggling with how to actually make any money in an ethical way from featuring sustainable brands. How could we keep from ultimately becoming just another company, making money through greenwashing? I think greenwashing is a really big problem we have to face. On the one hand, we see people getting tired of sustainability, because it's mentioned everywhere, even by oil companies. It gets really frustrating when there's a lot of talk about this big brand's new conscious collection, how amazing it is, when you know that it only accounts for about 1% of all the clothes they make. That's 1% out of billions of pieces of clothes. And as a smaller company, we don't have the marketing budgets to bid up to those campaigns. At the same time, we know there's many brands who've been doing this from the start, and who are actually struggling to make this impact. They founded and created ideas that someone just runs off with. So one of our biggest struggles is also how to create the impact that we want to make to get the same awareness for actual sustainable brands as normal brands. After talking to some brands, it seems that the expert was right. They were hesitant to spend money without seeing any direct results. 
Because the way a lot of sites like ours work is that a brand sends in their data about their products and pays a monthly fee to be featured. So we came up with our own system. One where if a brand wants to be featured, we ask the questions, as many as we can, and follow up on their claims of sustainability if we need to. Build our own independent database and keep it exactly like we wanted it, and with our own labels to show why each brand is sustainable. Is it, for example, vegan, eco-friendly, locally produced, or fair trade? As for all startups, not that we were even calling ourselves a startup yet, money was an issue at the beginning. I had just come out of university and working on the side as a data analyst. Noor was working as a technical engineer. And Marcella, well, as of this recording, she is still working on her PhD astrophysics. And any money we had went into Project CC. But a few months later, we were invited to a startup weekend in Berlin. It was a really cool experience. And it was actually the first time we were identifying ourselves as entrepreneurs. Before that, it was just our side project. And it was also our first time getting to talk with other startup founders, young startup founders. For us, startup was always something distant, something that people did once they had an established career. And there we saw a lot of people building really cool companies. At the end of the weekend, there was a pitching competition. Nor did our pitch and explained how we wanted to create impact in the fashion industry, helping to connect people and brands with sustainable ideals together. It was like a public vote and Nor won the pitch. We had so much external confirmation, like, okay, your startup is actually something worth working on. And despite what you feel about it, there's others who feel the same. After we came home from Berlin, a student investment fund in Amsterdam invested 25,000 euro. And now that we finally had some money coming in, it was time to quit our jobs and make Project CC our full-time thing. We soon managed to get more funding from different pitches and a lot of brands were quick to jump on board with us. The consumers were quite harder to get to because you actually had to reach out to them and show them some sort of value that this could be a solution for them as well. So we went to a lot of fair fashion markets and conferences to get our faces out there and to also see what people were struggling with when buying sustainable fashion. I think that it really helped us to get to know how people were using our product and what they saw as nice features and what they were missing. But what we really try to do as well is to have this mindset change. It's like we think we can buy ourselves into sustainability by buying a lot of products. And that's what I did. When I came out of my shopaholic phase and saw the sustainable brands, I was like, oh my God, I need all of them. So instead of shopping less, I was actually shopping equally as much, which was quite expensive. Because the most sustainable products are the ones already in your closet. And if you buy something just to leave it in your closet, it's not sustainable. You shouldn't buy it in the first place. So we were really trying to create awareness about this as well. To tell more people about what is the story about a product in your closet. Also, the influence you can have by not buying products. But if you do buy, make sure you buy according to your values. We've been running Project CC full-time now for a couple of years, steadily growing the number of people in our team, the brands we work with, and having new fans of sustainable fashion finding their way to us. And that's such a comfort to know, because there have been a lot of times I wanted to give up. Times when brands have made really big demands from us, 
forgetting that we're quite a small company, making the hours feel endless. And at the same time we were starting up, sustainability became a hot topic in journalism. And there was lots of coverage about fast fashion conscious collections, rather than really cool sustainable collections from people that had been doing it for years. A lot of things that made me feel like what we're doing doesn't actually make any impact. But then I go back to seeing how many people are visiting the website and the hundreds of brands that want to work with us. The motivation comes back. That's definitive proof that what we're doing is working. So much so that we've even expanded and work in several different countries now. So hopefully one day, my vision of the Kalverstraat, the main shopping street of Amsterdam, with only sustainable fashion will come true. But one of the biggest problems we have to solve to get there, and the one most personal to me, is the one of inequality. Both in that a lot of sustainable products are sold at a high price, only making them available for a select few. And the inequality all along the supply chain. The owners of the fast fashion industry are among the richest people in the world, whereas the ones working for them at the bottom are some of the poorest. I think it's the responsibility of all of us, as humans, that if we want to avoid climate change or make the impact more fair, we all have to do something. But what happens now is that everyone points to each other and says it's the responsibility of the lawmakers, or it's the responsibility of the brands, or of the consumer. And by pointing to each other, a lot of people don't take the responsibility they could have taken. Personally, I believe it's like a three-way thing. So for consumers, it's what do you find important about clothes. And if you have the opportunity, you support those types of businesses to show that there's money to be made with sustainability. And that people find it important if brands can be more transparent or make products sustainable or in a fair way. And I think that a level playing field for all brands need to be made by the lawmakers, making it more important to have a good supply chain than a marketing strategy, especially the fast fashion brands. And if we, as consumers, can stimulate them to be more sustainable and say this is good, but not good enough. There are ways of combining sustainability with profit. And the proof is in the numbers. I told you I was optimistic, and now you know why. You've listened to The Oracle, a podcast produced by Monk Studios in collaboration with IKEA for the International Expo H22 in Helsingborg, Sweden, 2022. More details and all the episodes can be found at h22.ikea.com.